find that the Prophet ﷺ, he said in a hadith in Sunan At-Tirmidhi um, that from the benefits of praying Tahajjud is that uh, number one, they gain a closeness towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are people that would wake up at night, they would leave their bed, they would make wudu, and they would go to their prayer mat to offer optional prayers, additional prayers, what we call in Arabic, nafil uh, salah. And the technical word to describe a prayer that is prayed after Isha and before Fajr, that is optional, is known as tahajjud or qiyamul layl. These people, the Prophet said, the first benefit they will get is that they will get a closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And more than that, he said, they will gain a forgiveness for their sins. And who amongst us would not love for Allah to look at all of their mistakes and say, I forgive you for all of that. But number three, he also said that praying tahajjud will become a force against, or a force that will drive away sickness and illness. And subhanAllah, in these times of pandemic, in these times of you know, where, where people are becoming more ill and some people, subhanAllah, even fatally. We need as many means to protect ourselves as possible. And here we're learning from the authentic hadith that praying tahajjud can actually help safeguard you from illnesses and uh, kind of sicknesses. And subhanAllah, this could be a sickness to do with your mental, it could be a mental illness, somebody suffering from anxiety or depression, OCD or any other you know type of mental illness or it could be do a physical one maybe a person is suffering from a heart condition or a person is suffering from you know arthritis or these kinds of debilitating conditions and they're taking the medicines they're going for the treatment but nothing seems to be working well there is another way and from the other way is to wake up at night time and to pray the hajjud the other thing uh, is that out of the entire night, there is one part of the night which is more special and more valuable to pray tahajjud in, and that is the last third of the night. And this again goes back to an authentic hadith in which the Prophet said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descends to the lowest heaven in the last third of the night. And I'm going to explain how you calculate that in a moment. That Allah descends to the last third of the night and then he looks upon the people of the earth and says, Who is calling upon me? For I am here to respond. Who is asking me? For I will give. Who is seeking my forgiveness? I will forgive them. Subhanallah. Allah Himself looks for these people, these people who have decided to wipe the sleep from their eyes, to get up even though they're tired to make their way to the bathroom, to make wudu and then to go to the prayer mat. And in that state of, you know, sleepiness, they fight off tiredness in order to stand and devotion to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says to those people, okay, ask, I am listening. Seek forgiveness and I will forgive you. And this means that the last third of the night is the best time to wake up to pray tahajjud. Now, when is the last third of the night? How do we calculate this? This is one of the questions that somebody asked. So the way you calculate it is you break up the night into, uh, you, you work out the length of the night from Maghrib to Fajr. So if Maghrib was eight o'clock and Fajr was five o'clock, that is nine hours worth of night. 
and then you break the nine into three so that's going to be three hours three hours three hours and so the last three hours which would be two o'clock to five a.m would be the last third of the night that if you were to pray in this time this would be an extra special time a time where dua is more readily accepted and so if you were to wake up in this time which is essentially uh, before fajr begins that this is the best time and this is the time when dua would be most likely to be accepted so if you've been asking allah for something and it hasn't come to you why don't you try to wake up in this time of the night just before fajr so you pray fajr as soon as it comes in and you would wake up before that time make wudu spend some minutes praying to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the best time to make dua is not just in the last third but inside the salah during sajda so in the hadith the Prophet told us that uh, the closest a slave is to his master is when he is in sujood so when you're in sajda you can actually make dua in that moment and subhanallah many scholars they say that in a non-obligatory salah so not your fard of isha not your fard of fajr but in anything other than the obligatory salah you can make dua in your own language so you're in sajda and you don't know many arabic duas don't worry in the tahajjud you can start making dua in english oh allah i am weak Oh Allah, I am in need. Oh Allah, my body is hurting. My heart is hurting. Oh Allah, I need you. Please grant me good health. Oh Allah, I'm having a problem with my family. Please guide my children. You can make a dua passionately in your own language. Okay, so this is another tip for you in your tahajjud. Um, so what is the last third of the night? You work out from Maghrib to Fajr and then divide that time by three and minus it from the Fajr time. And there you have it. It's the last third of the night. If you forget all of this, just remember that if you wake up just before Fajr, you are in the last third of the night. Inshallah, you can take advantage uh, of that time. Another question that I've been asked is about how to pray Witr. Like if I'm praying to Hajjud, uh, do I have to pray Witr before this or is it after that? Well, we know that the Prophet he told us that Witr should be the last prayer of the night. Now, what that means is if you go to sleep and then the next time you wake up is Fajr time, then you should pray your witr before you go to bed. However, we just learned now that praying the hajjud in the last third of the night is also an incredibly beneficial act of worship. That would mean that you pray your isha. Let's say you pray your isha at 11 o'clock. You pray your sunnah, two raka'ah sunnah for isha, but you wouldn't pray your witr. You wouldn't pray your witr. You go to sleep, then when you wake up for the tahajjud before the fajr time, you would pray your tahajjud, which could be two raka'ah, four raka'ah, six raka'ah, as many raka'ah as you wish. And then before fajr starts, you would pray your witr salah. Now, people often ask, well, sometimes I want to wake up tahajjud, but I don't manage to wake up tahajjud, then I end up missing my witr. What should I do? My advice is, if you're not sure whether you'll be able to wake up or not, then pray your witr before you go to bed. And then if you do wake up, you just pray your tahajjud and you finish. You do not pray a second witr in one night. You've already prayed your witr. And even though the person said, make it your last salah of the night, it is not obligatory to do that. And especially in the circumstance where you prayed it out of cautiousness, not wanting to miss it, inshallah, that will be fine. You wake up for tahajjud, 
you pray your two rak'ah, four rak'ah, six rak'ah, and then you have finished. Then you would pray your Fajr Salah. Question is, how can a person repent sincerely when they feel like you know they're too bad, they're too, they've done too many bad things in life, and their heart has become hard? What then can they do? Is it possible for them to make repentance? Is it possible for Allah to forgive them even though they've done such incredible thing, incredibly evil things? Well, let us look at an example of a very um, rebellious person, a very evil person. We find that in the life of the Prophet وسلم, there were many people that were extremely unkind towards him. And of them was Khalid ibn Walid. Now, when we think of Khalid ibn Walid, we think of the sword of Allah, we think of the valiant warrior of Islam, and we think of somebody who, you know, is a hero. And indeed he was. But did you know that before he became Muslim, he was fighting against the Prophet Actually, that also applies to Umar bin al-Khattab Again, a hero of Islam, a man who's, we cannot praise him enough. Yet, he became Muslim when he was out on a mission to try and kill the Prophet So he was an enemy to the Prophet He hated the Prophet And you can imagine all the bad things he must have said about the Prophet And yet, he became who he became. What does that teach us? It teaches us that no one is too far away from Allah to then turn back.